This is the Michigan Business Network and Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for joining us today. Lots going on in the state of Michigan when it comes to politics, business, and the media. James David Dixon is the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential, and he joins us today. And I know he'll be a sympathetic ear. It's getting chilly here in Michigan. He's got a smile on his face anyway, so he may feel a little bit better, James. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing very well. So let's just dive right into it. I want to talk about how we are seeing many states in the United States trying to pull, by legal means, Donald Trump off the ballot. So you would not be able to vote for him. He is in court as we film this, as we record this today, as a matter of fact, trying to get an immunity case through. But as you know, Maine and Colorado have successfully pulled him off the ballot. There's an effort here in Michigan. Where do we stand with that, James? Yeah, what I think people should really know about these state efforts, okay, is that, you know, secretaries of state or, you know, election officials in these states are trying to say that the 14th Amendment, Section 3, it's a Civil War Amendment. It applies to people who took place in the United States Civil War and basically how if you were an elected official then and switched to the Confederacy and fought with them, you could never, you know, take office again. And so they're trying to say that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. Whether that's true or not, no one ever asked a secretary of state. Now, this is a statewide elected official. They have no business speaking on federal matters like this. And what they're doing and what makes it so dangerous is they're effectively interpreting the Constitution. That's the job of federal judges, not secretaries of state. So they're moving so far out of their lane And perhaps people aren't bothered by it because they agree with it. Perhaps people don't see that there's a problem. But this is actually pretty dangerous stuff. What I find interesting about this, if you try to look at it from a journalistic point of view and not a political point of view, not taking a side, is that he is facing these accusations. He is being taken off of ballots and he hasn't been convicted of any crime. That's exactly it. There's been no finding of insurrection. So you have people essentially interpreting what the Constitution says and that it applies. You have people interpreting the Constitution and making rulings to that effect. So wildly beyond the job descriptions that they were hired to do, there has to be a finding. And my thought, I think if you read the main statement, actually, it contains the truth toward the end where it says, look, this is our ruling but we're going to put it on hold pending the U.S. Supreme Court decision. So even with this small-time political move to make Trump seem like he's outlawed from the ballot, even in that same effort, they're admitting in that very document that it's the U.S. Supreme Court who makes that choice, not state officials. So here in the state of Michigan, kind of where are we with this? Is there push and or support from Governor Whitmer, from our Secretary of State, from our Attorney General? No, there's been pretty much a consensus among official Michigan that Donald Trump should be on the ballot. You know, there's, of course, you know, some partisan Democrats who've tried to push it. But, you know, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson has been very clear that this is a U.S. constitutional matter. It's not something that there's been findings on or rulings on. 
So, you know, she knows she has no authority to pull him off the ballot. And, you know, the courts are going to say the same thing. This is a federal uh, issue. James, I suggest our listeners use Michigan Capital Confidential as a resource. It's one of many resources when they're trying to find out what's going on in the news. I love the headline coming soon to your town, the Michigan Climate Corps, Michigan Taxpayers Fund Governor's Climate Mission with $2.6 million over two years. Tell us a little bit about this story. Absolutely. So they're actually hiring right now. The State Department of Environment, actually, they're looking for 30 workers. Typically, these are going to be young people. And, you know, between March and late November, so just covering the election season conveniently, these workers are going to be dispatched to 30 communities or community organizations, basically Democratic-aligned nonprofits or, you know, areas that are democratically run. And we are funding what is essentially a political patronage operation with taxpayer money. So the first group is going to start with 30 and just go for several months. The second group is going to start in September and go for 11 months. And we're in on this for $2.6 million, whether we want to be or not. And just so I'm clear, James, what's going to be the jobs of this organization and these people? To evangelize to talk about the climate agenda and Whitmer's plan and to continue to shift the Overton window that Whitmer's ideas and her healthy Michigan climate plan become the reality, both statewide and in local communities. And I'm curious, has there, from your perspective, has there been any comment from the governor in regards to the auto car companies who recently have been in the news about them either stopping efforts or backing off their efforts to produce EVs? Not that I've seen. No, I mean, you know, it's funny when something, you know, a new factory or an expanded factory, oftentimes Gretchen Whitmer's name will be right there in the first line, the first paragraph of the announcement. But when these things get rolled back and when reality hits, you don't always see the governor there. So it's just a very selective approach, I would say, the governor has taken. All right. Uh, we're talking with our good friend, James David Dixon. He's managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk uh, more about what's happening in the news, especially when it comes to Michigan's educators and the education process. We'll do that next here on Media Business. At DBI, we do office by exceeding our customers' expectations since 1984. DBI offers more products and services than any other office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. For office needs, visit dbiyes.com. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with James David Dixon, who is the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. And I want to talk a little bit more about some of the news stories in Capcom. James, I want to start with eight of America's most expensive cities to heat are in the state of Michigan. I find this interesting, especially since we're one of the many states trying to push the initiative of getting rid of heating sources that include natural gas and coal. 
Well, that's exactly it. And so the state would say, hey, we're trying to solve the problem for you. We're trying to make basically the reason eight of America's top 50 you know, cities to heat are in Michigan, they said, is we have such an old housing stock. And so, the, you know, now that gives the state the opportunity to say, oh, we need to retrofit all of these homes, not to make them better heated, but to make it more efficient, whether or not you are sufficiently heated. So we've been fortunate this winter. It's been a mild winter. It's a little cool today, a little rainy today. But yeah, on any normal winter, we pay some of the highest rates, but we also have some of the worst reliability. So, you know, think about last February, the thunder snow and the ice storm. We tend to lose power in Michigan on the very hottest and the very coldest days. This was a study that Teresa Baldus of the Detroit Free Press reported on the, some of the highest ranked, most expensive cities when it comes to heating in our state are Flint, Detroit, Dearborn, Southfield, Westland, Lansing, Warren, and Sterling Heights. And I just got a chuckle when I saw this when it's proven that natural gas is very efficient and very cheap when it comes to heating our homes. Well, that's exactly it. And so now imagine a world where our base energy is going to come from solar panels and windmills, that DTE and consumers are going to be running largely on these things by a 2040. So again, we already have a energy distribution problem in Michigan where, you know, power lines go down and, you know, neighborhoods are knocked out. We are going to create an energy generation problem in Michigan where there's just not enough they're saying, you know, we're going to have significant shortfalls, significant shortfalls. They're already planning this out from what we will need by 2028. And we're still planning to go off coal by 2030 or in the early 2030s. Another story that you've been reporting on, James, is that there is a ballot effort that seeks to repeal the Lansing control of solar wind sightings here, the building of those, the putting those in without local municipalities having a say in that. As you know, I live in the mid-Michigan area, and I'm telling you, there are a lot of folks that are unhappy with this. You see signs everywhere. You see this brought up locally in the news here. Tell me what kind of steam this effort has. I talked to one of the organizers, Kevin Martis, who is, you know, if you were to Google Kevin's name, it's Kevin with an O. He's one of the most, you know, active and outspoken critics of wind and solar in Michigan. But he says this isn't just about that. It goes deeper because it's a matter about who gets to choose whether there's wind and solar, right? And so when your local elected officials do something you don't like, you can convince people, you can vote them out. You can recall them. You can convince that person to change their heart. But when unelected bureaucrats and people who are appointed by the governor, when they do things you don't like, there's no easy recourse. And this is really, you know, he told me for my Detroit News column that this is not a referendum on clean energy itself. It's a referendum on who gets to choose. So, James, I want to jump to another story, Michigan's roads. I feel I'm getting to know those very well. I have one son who's playing college football 
down in West Virginia. I have another son who's playing college basketball here in the state of Michigan. No one's traveling the roads more than me. I really get a good sense of them and they're not getting any better. All I kept hearing years ago was fix the damn roads. But as Jamie Hope from Capcom recently wrote about, Michigan's roads are falling apart faster than they're being fixed. Tell us what you know of this story. Well, I think this is a great example of how perception and reality can be pretty different, right? So we've all, especially this summer, it felt like everywhere you went, whether it was a mile road, a main road, or the freeway, it felt like everywhere I was driving in Michigan had construction. And what I find stunning is that even though that's true, even though we all felt it and we all saw it, we all had our trips delayed by it, the fact is we're still losing the long-term race. And so we're in a place where in a decade, we're going to have about 48% of our roads, federal roads, roads that get access to the most funding rated as poor. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about education here in our state. We'll do that next here on Media Business. When you fly Lansing, you are just one stop away from over 500 amazing global destinations. The Capital Region International Airport, your gateway to the world. Visit flylansing.com for more information. Welcome back to Media Business. This is the Michigan Business Network. James, I want to talk to you about a story I just read about this morning. Knowing you, you've probably dabbled in it a little bit. I just wanted to get your take. I know we've talked about uh, similar stories. It's about the Rockford School District and how they are being sued by a mother and father of a daughter who was being transitioned to a male without their knowledge. Now, I know it may be challenging for you to discuss this particular story, but we're seeing this all over our state. You know, what do you think? I think we're headed to a place where schools are starting to treat parents like they're not a partner in educating a child, but they're actually an impediment. And this belief that the teacher might love you or appreciate you more than your parents do, and that school is where you're safe and home is where you're not. And again, these are employees of the state. These are government employees. These are state agents, and they need to stay in their lane. And so any parent who ever thought of school as basically a daycare system, you drop the kids off for eight hours and come pick them up later, you might need to look a little deeper into things. You might need to get more involved. You know, we all wanted this scenario where we could turn our brains off and just assume that the system runs itself. It turns out schools don't run themselves, cities don't run themselves, neighborhoods don't. You got to get involved and you got to watch these people closely. Well, and to echo what you're saying, folks do need to get involved. My wife is a member of our local school board. I find it amazing that people, school districts, teachers, school boards in some instances think that they can parent our children. We really do need to make sure we're involved in watching this, don't we, James? You got to draw that line in the sand and it should be a bright one. It should be unmistakable and uncrossable. 
One of the things that I like that Capcom does is they really bring up the pork stories where money might be going that we as taxpayers aren't really familiar with. And I know Capcom recently featured a story titled Michigan Real Estate Developer Gets $18 Million from Michigan Taxpayer. Talk a little bit about this company. Yeah. So, you know, this is another one of those stories where we did another one where the Pope Francis Center in Detroit They're trying to tackle some chronic homelessness, and they were given $7 million by the state. And what I like about this is that even if you happen to agree with the cause itself, you have to have a problem with pork itself, with the fact that these are earmarks given to lawmakers, and we don't know who requested it. We don't have any reason to believe that the people granted are necessarily the only people who could have done this, or there's no real process. And then there's no you know, duty of commitment once those monies are granted. It is our money, and it's treated like a slush fund for taxpayers. So we have these government millionaires running around who have you know who earn $72,000 a year, but they can give millions out to their friends, as they say. And right now, we don't even have financial disclosure for lawmakers, so we don't know how rich people are actually getting while they're in office. What do you mean we don't have financial disclosure for Michigan lawmakers? We don't. I mean, that's what had to be passed in the law with Prop 1 last year. And so they just passed that law. They had to pass it by December 31st of last year. It was a deadline set by Michigan voters. More people voted for that than voted to reelect Governor Whitmer. And they didn't start until late October. So you're facing a December 31st deadline. You don't start until October 24th. I think that tells everybody how seriously you take the deadline. So to push back a little bit, James, there are many developers in my area that I've interviewed, that I've talked to, and their thought is when they get these tax dollars, when they get monies to help development, it helps them employ people, it helps local communities and whatnot, it takes money to kind of get these off the ground, maybe more than they have. What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, everyone has a story like that. You know, give me $10 million, I could do $10 million of stuff with it. But I shouldn't be given $10 million of taxpayer money because there's no process, there's no duty once that money is attached. And these are essentially favors given with taxpayer money by politicians to improve their own political futures, to get these people headlines, to get them access to ribbon cuttings and, you know, donors. Yeah. So everyone has a story about why they need the money. I would argue that those stories have nothing to do with me as a taxpayer. James, we're about a week away from the midpoint in January. What are you going to be watching news-wise for the rest of January? You know, we've talked about national popular vote a few times, and I've thought about it as being pretty much dead. Haven't heard about anything in months. And then the Detroit News just runs another column recently, you know, trying to put a battery in its back. So I'm going to keep watching that if they imagine they can do this without seeking out the voice of 7 million voters. I would argue they can't and they might face some litigation. So it'll be a fun year. Michigan Capital Confidential should be must-reading for you, among other ways to get news on what's going on here in our state. James David Dixon is the managing editor for Michigan Capital Confidential. James, you know I appreciate you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We'll see you next time.